quart bottle <laughs> at a cat. Incoming transmission. Engage house party protocol. Mark 4, powering up. Mark 17, powering up. Mark 44, powering up. All suits are online. Welcome to House Party Protocol. Power up suits and welcome into another episode of House Party Protocol. My name is Will, and with me today, coming all the way from Country City itself, it's the one and only Nate from the Gamers Guild. What's happening, my guy? Not much, man. Excited for a a year in roundup uh, kind of talk. Yeah, it's going to be really great. I'm excited too. But not only do we have you here with us, Nate, coming to us from sunny, some might even call it balmy, Canada is the one and only Leland from Aegis Brand Studios. What's happening, bud? Not much, not much. It's it's a balmy minus three degrees right now in the Niagara region. So, you know, I got my shorts on, my t-shirt. Think I'm going to sit outside with a daiquiri at some point. <laughs> yeah, I bet. So when you say minus three, I hear, oh my God, cold. But... That's this, minus, this is three minus three Celsius. in real temperature, my friends. Right, right, right. And, you know, the metric system and real temperatures. What is this? <laughs> as so, long as it's not minus three in Kelvin, then we got a big problem. Yeah, that, seem, that seems not good. But, uh, fellas, I really appreciate you guys being with me here today. And this is an episode that I wanted to do, but I've got to give you a lot of credit here, Leland, for kind of sparking this idea kind of where it is and that is taking a look back at 2023 kind of in review because it's been a big year for MCP and I think it's worth looking at where we've been where we started 2023 where we are and then maybe taking a little bit of a look at where we're going in 2024 and Leland how do you feel like overall about all of that. I I think just to put sort of like a a general idea to it, I think 2023 has been this really interesting creative year for AMG, which has kind of laid some really fascinating groundwork for where we might be going in the future. Um, They've kind of got their footing with MCP as it were. So now we're starting to see some interesting creative ideas uh, really hit the character side of things. So I think we're in for a very exciting 2024. Yeah. Nate, what about you? How do you feel? I'm feeling all in all pretty good. There, there's some consistency over uh, the past uh, year, year and a half uh, that has me a little bit worried. But for the most part, uh, I'm, I'm excited going forward. Yeah. It's interesting because I'm kind of in the middle between both of y'all. Like, I think that there have been some very creative and interesting things done within MCP on the AMG side of it. I think that they have shown certain design elements that I think that they could expand upon going forward that excites me. However, I do also agree with Nate in that there's been some concerning trends that haven't necessarily been explicitly laid out, if you will. I feel like I'm being cryptic here, but I'm not intentionally being cryptic. 
but it feels like there's some trends that have have started to develop that have my eyebrows raised at times. But with mm-hmm. that being said, I gotta say, I personally feel like MCP as a whole to end 2023 is in a pretty good spot. And it's something that when you take stock of everything that we've done this year and you think about the fact that we have a new core set that is a gateway for new players and stuff like that, I think that all of that kind of taken on a broad scale look, like a bird's eye view of it all, is really interesting and really good and a positive move in the right direction because I know the three of us and probably the people listening to this podcast don't want MCP to go anywhere, and I certainly don't have a fear that it will. Nate, is that how you would kind of sum things up for how you're feeling at the end of 2023? Yeah, I think that's uh, that's pretty fair. That uh, definitely want the, the game to continue. I think for... So much of the game is in a a really good spot, and uh, I I don't see AMG really running out of steam, even if they are kind of slowing the pace a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Leland, how about you? I I I'm inclined to agree that uh, you know that we're in a really really good place just overall with it. Uh, I'm very curious though to see what that sort of output is going to look in the new year because if if you're already looking into January and February, and I, I know I'm kind of mixing, uh, mixing two game systems here, there's a lot coming out in the span of, you know, 20 days or so. I think there's like eight boxes uh, between their Shatterpoint and MCP stuff hitting uh, in yeah. just rapid succession. So I don't know if if we're seeing any signs of them slowing down or not, or if they're just going to like keep just rapid pace hitting us with stuff as fast as possible, uh, which... Could be good, could be bad, but it's it's going to be interesting to see how the community kind of deals with that, if that is how it ends up being. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of the pace, I think this is a good segue into starting to look back at the year and say what all came out in 2023. And because we've been in this game for a long time, the three of us, and it's easy for me to look at how long I've been playing MCP literally since before it came out when they first spoiled the original cards I was getting d8s and just being like the eight is a crit the one is a skull and trying to make it work and trying to get used to the game on the tabletop so it's easy for for someone like me to have a perspective on this game that is different than someone that just picked up the core set version two earth's mightiest core set or someone that has only been in this game for six months it's i think it's a very different perspective so we have the perspective of the release schedule has been for more or less the entirety of the game breakneck speeds and i think that leland you bring up a good point about the amount of content that we're getting at the beginning of the year but when you think the fact that they have now two major miniatures game systems, including the stuff that is Legion and X-Wing also, so three, four, really, but two miniatures games, skirmish, you know, tabletop stuff, 
I think that we're going to see this release schedule be a little different now, and it might shock people that have been in this game for a while, but then again, I don't know. I, we, we, we don't know what it's going to look like, but without further ado, what all came out in 2023, and uh, yeah, it's been quite the year. So we had Modoc Scientist Supreme, Immortal Hulk, Rhino, Beta Ray Bill, Ulick, Agent Venom, Spider-Woman, Psylocke, Emma Frost, Gwenpool, Squirrel Girl, M'Baku, Claw, everybody's favorite Cosmic Ghost Rider, and then Core 2.0. So, and not to mention the rebalances that we had, which kind of bring a whole bunch of quote-unquote new things into the game. But when you think about that, that's 15 things you can go out and buy, really. 15 characters, and obviously Gwenpool and Squirrel Girl are their own boxes, right? Like they're, they're, they're in their box together. And so when you think about that, it really hasn't been as hot and heavy of a release year. But when you think, oh, the rebalances, the core 2.0, and you see that that's a whole 12 different characters in that core box right there, or 11, I guess, uh, in that core box. I mean, we got a ton of releases this year. And Leland, how do you feel about the release schedule? Did it fit your needs? Do you think that after Core 2.0 and how they just kind of stopped after that point, do you feel like that was okay? So I, I actually have a prediction as to why we saw a very light November and December release, but I'll, I can touch on that in a little bit because we're here, we're here to talk cool stuff right now. Uh, I think generally speaking, their release schedule up until Core Box 2.0 was a much more relaxed schedule than what we saw in some previous years. Which, speaking as somebody who does pick up every single box as it hits, because uh, I got to get it painted, I got to get it on camera, all that sort of stuff, not having to deal with three or four boxes in a single month uh, was was kind of like a break for me, which was really nice. Yeah. So keeping it to like one or two boxes a month was actually a very nice way of adding to the game. It didn't overload uh, with new characters, new information. Uh, new projects, and it actually gave a lot of these characters a chance to kind of settle into the the game state and the meta, and let people actually play around with them instead of just being overwhelmed with you know six, seven, eight new characters at one time. Yeah, absolutely. Nate, what about you? Do you feel like that the release schedule this year, and again coming from that perspective of someone that's literally been in this game and ordered models from overseas just because we had a delayed release at one point? Do you feel like that this year's release schedule was a model for the future? Uh, in some aspects, I hope so. In other aspects, I hope not. Uh, so we ended up having 10 MCP character releases, not including the, uh, the new card update uh, at the end of it all. And we had some of that very heavily front-loaded, and then there was a couple-month gap. And then we got the core box, and now we're looking at uh, a three or four month uh, release between models. Uh, and so I'd, I'd personally rather it kind of go this steady pace of one box a month, or maybe a couple boxes here, take a month off, and then another box, uh, just to uh, keep a little bit of regularity. 
However, obviously, Shatterpoint release, that's going to be the, the focus primary, so I don't think it's exactly what we're going to have going forward. Uh, but I, I definitely don't expect it to be like the first couple of years where we were getting two to three boxes every single month. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you there. And I, I think, though, that AMG is going to be releasing that amount of content. It's just going to be spread out amongst the systems. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. with that, fellas, uh, let's take a look at some of these characters. There's obviously too many to mention all of them. But, Nate, I want to go to you first. What were a couple standout characters for you that released this year? Uh, so I've got three that I'm going to love on. Uh, that I think were standouts as far as just AMG put them out there, and these characters hit the nail on the head, both balance and theme, uh, in so many different ways for me. Uh, That is going to be Agent Venom, for obvious reasons, and they could even buff him, and I would be totally fine with that. Shocking nobody. Shocking Uh, no one, yes. Yeah. Uh, Spider-Woman, I think, is just a... Phenomenal character who is really well-rounded, has stakes in a lot of different affiliations, so she's expanding on a bunch of teams that hadn't seen expansion uh, in a while. Uh, And then, kind of weirdly, I'm not a huge fan of this character in the comics and stuff, but just as far as design space goes, Gwynpool is really cool, a solid four threat, uh, who holds her own and just makes for a really fun time on the table. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Leland, how do you feel about Nate's characters there? Because I definitely have some comments. I I think he's picked some really solid characters there. Um, actually, Gwenpool didn't quite make my cut, but she was on my radar as well as being a really interesting character where I think they, they went into some neat design space uh, with her particular character and her cards. Uh, not necessarily my my flavor of character, but from a gameplay standpoint, I think she's very interesting on that one. So I, I really dig that one as a pick. Uh, and I think Spider-Woman, even though I have a 0% win rate against her, was an excellent <laughs> addition to the game. Yeah. Uh, she she does some really interesting stuff. She gives she gives some interesting play to, to anyone who is looking for somebody who can get in and get scrappy uh, because of that, uh, that pesky martial artist and stealth and her good defenses. Um, yeah, and then Agent Venom is just all-around interesting character. So, yeah, I think Nate chose some great choices there. Yeah, absolutely. I want to say uh, highlight Gwenpool here because we, we have a couple categories we're going to talk about with these characters here, and that's a character that... I thoroughly enjoy every time I've had on the tabletop and is really interesting and unique in certain things that she does, but also not unique in other. It's it's weird. She's like an amalgam of so many different mechanics that we've seen before, but all put into a package that is just very interesting and fun. And those tactics cards as well are, are right there. But the other ones, Agent Venom, Spider-Woman, look, y'all know I like some web warriors, so of course i'm gonna love those characters it's it's set it forget it when i make a web warrior roster that spider woman is in there age of venom eh, sometimes but i'd say he's in there most of the time now for me my standouts this year are probably going to uh surprise some people maybe i don't know maybe not though i love immortal hulk like we're just gonna rip the band-aid off like i get the seven threat problem in MCP, if you will, like if there's a problem or not, it's a debatable thing and we're not going to get super deep into that today. 
But Mortal Hulk's a fun character. I think that, yes, original Hulk is probably more cost-effective, uh, threat value and all that stuff. But I like the mechanic of, cool, if you don't one-shot me after I get more immortality token, you're going to have a hard time at the office today. And it's a really fun and interesting mechanic, being able to potentially get three throws in a turn. Again, it might not be the most positive play experience for my opponents, but Lord, is it fun when it happens. And so, you know, that that kind of stuff really stands out for me. Is He's a fun character on the tabletop. And then another one that I really enjoy, but am really terrible at playing against is Rhino. And I think Rhino is a character that really shored up a lot of things that maybe Criminal Syndicate needed to kind of maybe make them more than a one-trick pony. And I really like Rhino's play pattern. Obviously, this is a robbery, is a great tactics card, but just the character by himself, I think, is a really fun and thematic character. I think they really captured the theme of what the character of Rhino would be doing on the tabletop. And then lastly, I want to highlight M'Baku because bringing a new leadership to Wakanda after them being one of the first affiliations outside of the core box that we got was huge. And I really enjoy his play patterns as well. I think he's a fun character on the tabletop. His leadership is solid, not necessarily great, but solid. And uh, yeah, I just, I rather like that character quite a bit. So yeah, any comments on on those uh, choices there, Nate, before we we let Leland tell us his? No, I think that's a a solid uh, roundup of uh, characters that... uh, They they, they make a a different part of the list for me, but I I like... Yes, good choices. (laughs) Yeah, and I notably left out like Earth's Mightiest Corset Heroes, not because I don't love those characters, but like, you know, I don't have enough time with all of them, and and I I have a feeling, I have a feeling that Leland's going to bring some to the tabletop. So Leland, what do you got for your standouts of 2023 on the character front? All right, all right. I'm going to rip the Band-Aid off right now then. Um, One of my favorites actually has been uh, Captain Marvel Cosmic Adventure. Yep. I didn't want to take she, that from you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, I I have wanted Captain uh, Marvel to be a solid character in the game since day one. I really liked what she could potentially bring to the table. It was just always upsetting that the original core box one was effectively just a turret. That you were you were just trying to hit that four power and then you struggle to stay at that four power to, to get in binary form. And it, it was always a little disappointing as a result. So Cosmic Avenger Captain Marvel just... Every time I've put her on the table, barring one or two uh, situations, she has always made an impact for me. And she was just such a wonderful redesign of a character. Uh, she feels like you, she gives you a lot more agency uh, at this point. And she can actually play with the big boys, which is really what this character is supposed to be able to do. Um, mm-hmm. And also, when, when, when you can pull off a, a Stark Armory, New Age, Initiative, Captain Marvel, Cosmic Avenger churn on, on an Immortal Hulk, it, it's just all sorts of delicious. So, <laughs> um, so she's definitely one of my, one of my standouts there. Uh, my other choices, uh, I kind of went in a slightly different direction because um, I think 
one of my choices is going to be I like the design space that they're moving into, but this is going to ruffle some feathers, and that is Cosmic Ghost Rider. Preach. And I want to make it very clear. I think Cosmic Ghost Rider has been bad for the game in the way he exists, uh, but I think what he really kind of exemplifies is AMG's desire to try and do different things, move away from standard archetypes of characters, and play around with some design space. So I think as a first go uh, at it, you know, a bit of a miss. He need, he needs some tuning. He needs some tweaking. Not much, I don't think, but he needs a little bit of, of attention. But I like what he potentially signals uh, for other characters going forward. Uh, so that that's what I like about CGR. And I think that as a community, we need to pay attention to him and his design mechanics because we might be seeing a little bit more stuff like this down the road. Uh, so that's why CGR is on my list. Okay. The other character... The other character that's on my list is uh, Modoc Scientist Supreme. Yeah. And at no point did I ever think that like the, the giant floaty head would be one of my go-to characters, but I just have a blast playing him whenever he is on the table these days. I, I love the fact that he can force other characters to bodyguard for him. I love that it becomes free when, uh, when he's on his injured side. I think he has a fun kit. I think his his leadership is exactly the type of leadership that I enjoy, because um, it's that whole you know oh you rolled a wild get yourself another get yourself another success over here. Uh, so I I've had an absolute blast with uh, with Modoc Scientist Supreme, and I I just think he is a fun character all around, and his dooms and his doomsday chair and that one being a range three instead of range four makes all the more sense to me. Yeah, no, that's really cool. I. Uh... I really enjoy the new Modoc as well. I played a, a game recently with his leadership and everything, and it's it's just fun. Like he's in a good spot. It's it's a fun game with a uh, new doc on the table. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm really with you there. And now I want to pivot and and take a look at um, some characters that are maybe a bit of a whiff in this new wave that we had in 2023. And I'm gonna kick it off and. I'm going to say from a whiff perspective, Emma Frost, man. Like, I think that's the low hanging fruit here of, of these characters, but like her normal side is fairly solid. It's, it's a decent kit. Her spender is pretty darn good. The ability to advance a character with rolling a trigger, very good at range four with a mystic attack, but the transforming and the way that she does it and diamond form being pretty bad. It, I feel like that there's a lot left on the table with that character that we could maybe see her as a candidate for a bit of a rebalance at some point because she's almost there, but just not quite. Leland, mm -hmm. what about you? Do you have any whiffs or comments on my Emma whiff? So my only comment on uh, your Emma whiff, because I do agree with you. Uh, I also think it was a horrible missed opportunity that she's essentially the same pose model uh, for both forms when they had this absolutely wonderful look of contempt on her card art that would have just made for a beautiful model yeah. uh, for her diamond form. Um, but as for whiffs, <laughs> bringing out the pot stirrer here, uh, Rhino was a whiff for me. What? Yeah, yeah. Um so Rhino was a whiff for me for two reasons. 
Uh, the first reason is, is I feel that if you take away, uh, this is a robbery. He is a very typical character. I don't feel he really does anything terribly interesting as a character without that card. Um, so he's a little boring to me uh, as a result. Um, you know, you you move forward, you punch something, maybe you throw something, and then you just take some hits. There's there's not a lot of dynamism to him. Um, so unfortunately, he he's a bit of a whiff in that regard. Uh, the other reason he's a whiff uh, for me is that I think out of all the characters that we've seen this year, he's the one that I feel like they played it very safe. Mm. Um, a lot of other characters we've seen come out this year, they feel like they brought something kind of new and interesting to the table. And I don't feel that way about Rhino. I feel like Rhino, there's just like, well, he, he's big, he's a bruiser, and you know, maybe, maybe he's going to steal your stuff. Uh, whereas I feel like a lot of other characters at least had something that made them a little bit more interesting, a little bit more dynamic on the table. So yeah, I, I think for me personally, Rhino was a little bit of a whiff. That's interesting because, I mean, I obviously feel like he was a standout. And, you know, you said it's move, punch, maybe throw something. I mean, Rhino is a bit of a basic bitch, you know, <laughs> like like he's he's kind he's the intro villain in like the Spider-Man games. You know what I mean? Like there's a reason. And it's because he's just kind of Rhino. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just just kind of yeah, Rhino. I, I just. I just feel like they could have done something a little bit more interesting. Like, for instance, um, you know, why does this stampede not cause a collision when it hits a character? Right? You know, that would be busted. I don't think it would be. I, a I mean, size four collision? Well, no, treat it like a collision, like Juggernaut's collision, where it's like, you know, take a damage type thing, right? When, uh, when uh, Juggernaut does his nothing stops the Juggernaut. Just... There, I think there was interesting design space that they could have gone to with him to make him a little bit more fascinating and more than just a tactic card on a stick. Yeah, I, I will say, I think that they maybe didn't go the route of like nothing stops a juggernaut ability because juggernaut has that. And it'd be like, well, this is just four threat juggernaut at that point. Nate, how do you feel about this? Uh, I I don't like the take. Uh, I think Rhino... <laughs> Very similar to Will, like he he's the the punching bag of Marvel Champions for anybody who plays that game, uh, and it's just kind of like, hey, this was the the intro villain. You you kind of know him. He is not some complicated mastermind character. He wants to charge in there. He wants to punch something or gore something with his horn. Uh, and I, I think maybe they could have given him a, an interesting spender or something like that. But really, because he has this as a robbery, uh, I don't think he needs that. He has a tactic card that makes him uh, feel unique and cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I, and, you know, I, I'm sure people out there will agree with your wrong take, Leland. It's cool. <laughs> hey, hey, you know what? Uh, this is why I preface it. This this is my take on the character. Yeah. This is my own personal preference, right? Yeah. So I totally respect where, where both of you are coming from with Rhino. Uh and I, I think that I think that's totally fine. Like I think both both takes can exist in in this in this game. Leland, this is the internet. We have all got to plant our flag, and we are going to fight about this until one of us determines that only one person is right. There can be only one, Leland. I'm kidding. And by virtue of outliving all of you, I will be right. <laughs> that's it. But no, that's what I love about this game is because each character that is on the tabletop is unique to everyone who plays them. You know, I've got a local that loves Dormammu, 
and wants to play Dormammu all the time. He, he likes the big monster characters, Dormammu, the Sentinels, like these kind, like the big characters, physically big characters. He doesn't care if they're less than awesome, but he likes playing them, and I respect the hell out of it. And that's the thing about this game is it is to you listening and to us here on the sidelines, it's whatever we want it to be. And Nate, with that, who whiffed for you in 2023? Am I allowed to have two? I mean, I guess. Uh, so I'm going to piggyback a little bit off of Leland here because he started, uh, he, 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 he picked CGR as a standout uh, for the same reasons I'm going to pick him as a whiff. Oh, this is spicy. not a good character for the game. Uh, I don't think it was super new design space because we we had that with Nebula and Nebula fits very well within what she does. She limits herself uh, on the objective stuff, but is still able to put out damage and stuff. CGR is control. CGR is action economy. CGR is damage. Uh, Bad, bad, bad AMG, like squirt bottle at a cat kind of <laughs> don't do this. Okay. Uh, and, and kind of what I alluded to before is the and probably part of the reason I feel a little bit more strongly about CGR is because we just came off of Malekith and we yeah. finally got him to a reasonable spot for a seven threat only for then another high threat entity that has uh, extreme mobility and damage output and control uh, to come out on the table. Yeah, before you get to your second one, you know, I've been on record in this podcast before as I enjoy CGR. I get that he is problematic, and I do think that there are changes that need to be made to his kit. I also look at it in, in a couple of different ways in that when you are the pilot of a CGR and it's understood what's what's going on on the tabletop from both parties when there's a cosmic ghost rider on the table, it's a very enjoyable time in, in that he he's flying around the board, he's blowing things up, all that stuff. From a balanced in the game perspective, yeah, it he certainly is problematic and i think that there's ways to address that that i trust amg is is hard at work on a daily basis being like how do we fix this guy uh or or not i don't know but it's it's one of those things where i think it's difficult to label him as a whiff just because for me he, he is fun when you take that step back and 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 really look at it from what all he's doing on the tabletop as a higher threat character and thinking about it in like an action economy and all this different stuff we can get into what a high threat character needs to look like and all this stuff at a different podcast but i think we started 2023 in the the year of Malekith, right? We were coming off, I guess, the year of Malekith, right? Where we ended 2022 with the big bad kitty dad. And for the majority of 2023, he was still a problem. And then all of a sudden we get that problem addressed. And to your point, Nate, 
now we have another problem and it's like it's it's difficult to be hyped to go to a challenger event knowing that you're likely to see a CGR on the table or if you don't you at least have to have a plan for there being one present whereas now if you run into a Malekith it's much less oppressive than it was he's still strong he's still strong he's still good at seven threat but he's much less like oh my god what am i going to do here than he was whereas cgr is a bit in that realm currently so i, I also a lot of it. i i also want to jump in and say i i do actually i do agree with you nate i think as cgr exists there is a lot of problems with him. Uh, what I was alluding to as far as why I think he was kind of an interesting character is because I do think that they tried to push some interesting design space with him. I don't think they succeeded in uh, in implementation of it in this particular case, uh, but I do think that it kind of bodes for some that they're that they're thinking outside the box or trying to think of some different ways to to approach some characters to give them a little bit more flavor and identity. Uh, beyond just move, punch, and maybe do superpower type thing, right? Um, so I, I do agree with you. Yeah. Cool. What's your second one, Nate? Uh, I was just going to say Claw. Uh, yeah. He's uh, it, a lot of his kit is uh, actually pretty cool, but specifically the leadership uh, feels like a little bit of a, a letdown. I actually got to play against Claw uh, at Everwinter uh, and. Uh, ended up beating him, and there's like some cool, cute stuff that you can do with Electra and the Hand Ninjas uh, to make his leadership feel a little bit more relevant. But it it just uh, it, it's a shame that a leadership is just being able to move your leader around. I think. Yeah. No, I I feel you. And Claw's one of those characters for me as well, where it was like he he kind of almost made my my whiff whiff champ if you will, because it's just, he's interesting, but he, he feels like the quintessential cute, not good character. You know what I mean? I almost kind of feel like if you get rid of his leadership, uh, he becomes an okay five threat, uh, but his leadership just makes us want him to be a little bit better than he is. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, it, like, are there any other leaderships in this game that are just for like one character centric? I not that I can really think of. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, the the closest is like Hulkbusters, as far as like how how much your your team can really profit from a single leadership. Right, yeah. super niche. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's just a little upsetting. Uh, I do think Claw suffers from the fact that he has that absolutely amazingly fun tactics card, where it is the the area five six dice attack. Yeah. Um, which is ridiculous amounts of fun, but it's there's AMG has always had this weird relationship with area attacks where they, they almost seem to overvalue them a little bit. And uh, I think, uh, I think Claw's card suffers a little bit for having that as a tactics card. Oh, there's yeah. no, they almost seem to, they overvalue them like period. What, I'm God gonna... of Thunder is not a good attack. <laughs> oh, it's, it's an okay one now. It's better now. Yeah. But in general, yes, I, I very much agree with you, Leland, in that area attacks are this like weird space that AMG has no idea how to deal with it. Because, and and I think this is an interesting little segue we can go on to here for just a second, like literally just a second, in that 
I get where why they would be trepidatious of it because conceivably you could hit an entire team with seven dice attacks or six dice attacks, right? So like you're you're rolling so many dice, but I think when I've talked about this in a recent episode of how like math works in this game, like yeah, not every attack is going to be crazy and being able to do six attacks potentially against an entire team. Like, let's just say all six people are just clumped up right together and you can hit six of them. It's the same problem of, like, the best at what I do in Wolverine and him counting wilds double. It's like you're rolling five dice. You could get five wilds and then you have ten successes. But the likelihood of that happening is ridiculously low. And then what it would take to get added dice and to try to get this crazy amount of wilds to be rolled, it, it just, it doesn't seem like it works. And it's the same thing that, at least how I feel, with area attacks of like, in a realistic scenario, your best option on, and again, most area attacks are range two, not counting claws, crazy stuff. Most are range two. So in a realistic situation, your best outcome is three characters with an area attack. And most of the time it's two. And if you are spending for an area attack because of the costs of said area attacks in this game, doing it to one or two characters rarely feels worth it. So tangent aside, they don't get area attacks right yet, but Hey, you know what we're entering? What is this? Is this year four? We're about to enter. Something like that. At at one, and you're good. Oh, it's year five, <laughs> and we still don't have the Fantastic Four. Reset the clock. Alpha flight first. No, stop it. Just because Boom. it comes first in the alphabet, <laughs> I don't want to hear it, okay? Someone out there is yelling, Eternals, please. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing at my own jokes because... <laughs> Yeah, no one's yelling. Hey, if, you, if you don't laugh at your own jokes, who will, right? Yeah, someone out there laughed, okay? Someone out there, somebody. But anyways, uh, do y'all want to comment on this area attack fiasco that I have started here, or do you want to keep moving? No, we need to, we got to keep it moving. No more yeah. soapboxing if we will. Yes, yes. Sorry, sorry. Every once in a while, I have to pull it out. Anyway, whoa. Get on with it. Whoa, okay. So, Leland, in terms uh -oh. of characters... What were some sleepers or sleeper agents? Oh, see what I did there? Oh. Yeah. Uh, for you, in terms of characters that maybe don't get the hype of like a CGR or a beta ray bill, some of this stuff, like, like doesn't get the hype, but it stands out to you. G give me one or two. Uh, I really dig Mbaku. He was one of my favorite characters that came out this year. And I feel like because he came out on the coattails of CGR, we just do not see him talked about. Uh, add to the fact that Wakanda is still kind of in a weird place uh, with with their uh, available rostered points. Uh, mm -hmm. I think he's I think he's a really fun character. I think he brings some some interesting uh, uh, interesting ways to control characters on the board. I think he brings some really good uh, attrition to the table. I like the fact that he's got that uh, that solid frame, which makes him a little bit more uh, protected against uh, character throws and, and collisions and that sort of stuff. And uh, once again, I, I love that type of leadership. I love the whole roll a wild, get uh, get rewarded for it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I, I love M'Baku. He was one of my standout characters. It's cool that he's one of your sleepers. Uh, Nate, what about you? Uh, my sleeper is going to go to Psylocke. Nice. Uh, 
X-Men just have a plethora of really good four-threat characters. Uh, and Psylocke is among them, and I just don't think it's uh, enough love. But being able to have the ability to choose between Energy and Mystic, she was the uh, first character with that specific choice that felt really relevant because there's a certain Red Skull that uh, was running amok around the time. Uh, she's got a nice range for Gainer. Uh, she has a very lethal spender that's going to give stun before, uh, a little bit of dice consistency, the martial artist stealth combo, uh, just all in all a, a really fun character that uh, doesn't get enough recognition. No, I, I completely agree with you on Psylocke, and she's one of those characters, like you said, because X-Men is so fat with four-threat characters that are pretty solid, and it's not changing anytime soon, looking at you, Nightcrawler, that I think she really gets overlooked, but is a really good character. So for me, a character that really stands out as underrated and not talked about nearly enough is definitely Squirrel Girl. I think Squirrel Girl is a one, a fun character, two, a really good character, and does a lot that I don't think people realize in terms of being able to slow down big models with her ability to put the tippy-toe squirrel token on them, so then, boom, they don't get to explode crits now. It's basically hexing them, you know, and then if you're not doing that, if you're hanging on to it, being able to give yourself re-rolls on attack and defense, and it's re-roll two dice. Mm -hmm. It's really good, and then she's got basically a hella level of immortality in her kit in a sense where it's like if she has her tippy toe token on her injured side she will at least survive on one health to to do things and we've seen with things like exceptional healing and that kind of stuff how impactful that staying alive for one more expenditure of resources from the opponent can be pivotal i mean it's a dice game after all so can I just say AMG are monsters for not making that a optional ability? <laughs> what What do you mean? You have to sacrifice tippy toe. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it's not a reactive. There's no may in there. It's just if Squirrel World would, would go would go down, you got to sacrifice uh, tippy toe. Yeah, yeah, it's a thing. But yeah, so that's that's it that we've got for like characters and uh, suits. I would encourage you let us know via. Facebook comments, messages over on Discord and our feedback section, that kind of stuff. What some standouts, whiffs, and sleepers for you were because this game is not just the three of us in a vacuum. This is a game that, like we already have figured out, is full of broad opinions. And I personally would love to see what the suits out there think about 2023's character releases and even the updates, right? Like we didn't really touch on that stuff too much because we were talking about the the kind of new new characters but there's a lot of updates that happen too and um we're already going to be running long today so i don't want to get too deep into that but those character updates were a huge moment for mcp this year and shout out to cable being awesome now but that's neither here nor there and uh, I'd love to know what you guys think about all that stuff. So send us messages, housepartyprotocolpod at gmail.com, 
over on Facebook, House Party Protocol, and at the Discord if you're a member of that community, which if you want to know how to be a part of that community, check out patreon.com slash housepartyprotocol for as little as a dollar a year or somebody do that math for me real quick. Somebody, I can't, it's one, two, three, 12 bucks a year. You can come and hang out in the coolest place ever, the HPP Discord. And it's it's wonderful and awesome and I love it so much. And these guys can speak to it, but we'll let them do that later. Anyways, Nate, I want to talk to you here with our next big topic. And that is just how the game was played this year, I guess you could say, in a sense. So we have this system called Longshanks. If you're not familiar with what Longshanks is, it's basically tournament software that's on the internet. It's a really useful tool for gathering certain kinds of data and as a way to track things over time, which I think is really good. Leland, have you ever used uh, Longshanks? Yeah, I I'm on uh, I'm on long chinks. I I enjoy the the math part of it. I like seeing all the the little pretty numbers go up after after a successful event and everything like that. And oh yeah, it's a good way good way of tracking everything. Yeah, absolutely. And Nate, I know you have been uh, really familiar with long shanks, having run multiple fairly large events, and um, it's a tool that I would encourage people to explore as they get more into a competitive scene in this game, but even just casually logging unranked games and stuff like that, I think can be very useful. Nate, how do you like using Longshanks? And do you feel like it's a good measure of kind of overall MCP health in a sense? Uh, ooh, that, that second part's a, it's a loaded very question. Interesting. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one that you can uh, kind of dig into. Uh, first of all, Longshanks as a whole is a fantastic uh, tool that you should utilize uh, as a TO uh, for events because it just it adds to uh, the numbers. It's kind of the the centralized place, so there there is a, a lot of information that can kind of be gleaned uh, for that. Uh, I don't know if the the player ranking system uh, how great it is. I, I and I say that like no disrespect to some of the players that have worked their way up to be uh, the top player of a certain affiliation or have worked their way up the global rankings or anything like that. I, I was at the top of them at one point briefly, so like zero disrespect or anything like that. I just, I don't know how I ended up getting to that spot. Uh, but all, like there, there's just so much cool about it in addition to the basic, hey, this is a very easy way for you to get your round pairings and stuff as a TO. Uh, there's a little like achievement badges and stuff that you're able to chase if that's the thing that you want to go and do. Uh, you can earn points for a specific uh, affiliation and even leadership uh, to try to bolster that. So it, it, a very cool tool. What was the initial question that was absolutely loaded that I dodged there? Oh, yeah. So just um, do you feel like that it's a good measure for or a good tool to use to measure overall health of a game uh very broadly yes i think it's a it's, it's a pretty good way to say hey this affiliation is maybe a little bit over tuned as a whole right now or something i got gotcha. you uh, over the past uh last year and into mid this year it was very obvious that malekith 
was uh, had a dominant win percentage and stuff like that. Uh, but so much of it uh, can't really be seen at uh, this level because also if you look at it, uh, Steve Rogers, Captain America, Discount Steve, uh, a character who himself is pretty solid and then has a really good leadership, only has a 43% win percentage. Mm-hmm. So there, you have to kind of be able to take into account, oh, well, this is going to be a really new player-friendly character and they're not going to necessarily bring the best record to Steve kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that being able to infer some data from things like that, like like you, what you just said about Steve, is a great example, right? And we have in the last year, so from January 1st to now, as an example, we have 2,800 games of Steve Rogers, the OG Steve Rogers, leadership logged and it's a 43% win percentage but to your point that could have been and probably was most people's first buy and first thing in Marvel Crisis Protocol was Steve Rogers and so when they go to an event and like you said those new players aren't necessarily going to be as experienced as someone that's been playing this game for four almost five years it makes a little sense to see something like that So I think that's really interesting. But I want to take a second and look at what Longshanks allows us to do is see all of the games that were logged using it as a a tool. And this does not mean that it is the only tool. There are other tools out there. Nerd Herder is a tool that I've used a little bit that I like some of the things that it does. I think that Longshanks is a little bit more user-friendly overall, but I think... Nerd Herder has a decent setup and and could grow in popularity. I think that there's also just old school, like, hey, we're having an event and and pen and paper, here's your matchups kind of thing. Like, I think that still exists. And when we look at this data that we're going to talk about here for just a little bit, I think we can can look at it to make some assumptions and, and we'll get to that towards the end here. But the first thing I want to talk about is the total games that were logged for Marvel Crisis Protocol between January 1st and when we're recording this, December 19th of 2023, 29,389 games logged. That's rated and unrated. I think that's wonderful, dude. Thirty, Almost 30,000 games of MCP have been logged in this one place. And that doesn't mean that there aren't many other places that games could have been logged. And to me, over the course of a year, that number seems really good. Leland seems how, phenomenal. Yeah, exactly. Leland, how do you feel about that? I I think it's a great sign that the that the game is still doing very well. People are still picking up. People are still very excited to play the game. because um, that just means that, you know, we we can comfortably say we we still have some years left of of this game coming which is really nice uh and frankly i i think it deserves it because i do think it's probably one of the the best design games i've i've played in recent years uh yeah yeah absolutely and i mean that's of course how i feel about it is i think that it's indicative of of things to come and if you take a look back at the previous year which i just again thank you longshanks for having data filter adjustments 
the previous year had 16,758 games. So all basically 17,000 games. And, you know, we were coming out of COVID. I get, you know, there's a lot of extenuous, extenuating, that's the word, factors there. But we've more than doubled that, really. Like, because again, I think there's plenty of stuff that wasn't logged and stuff like that. So we've we've functionally doubled the amount of games played. And that just is incredible to me, I think. Nate, can you speak on that a little bit? How do you, what do you do with that information? Uh, be very, very excited about uh, the overall uh, health of the game and its growing popularity and its chances of uh, continuing to thrive and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I will point out because I I love that we almost doubled the number of log games and obviously like that doesn't even account for the weekly local game night stuff or the leagues that people uh, have going on because Nerd exactly. Herder is very efficient for uh, that style of thing. Uh, the only very slight damper I will throw on that is this was the first year that TTS games I believe were logged logged on Longshanks. Mm, yeah. And so the the overall increase may not be as necessarily big as uh, that almost doubles. Like, wow, but I think uh, a significant number of games uh, come from TTS uh, League being logged on Longshanks now, which is also a wonderful adjustment. Yeah, no, I think that's that's really fair. So the next thing I want to talk about is the how many events were run. And again, I think that this is, uh, you have to look at the TTS edition here as a bit of an asterisk, but the amount of events run was 1,396. So basically 1,400 events as of today that have been run, and there will be one more, at least at least one more run, because I'm doing one on December 30th here in Memphis, a little 12-man intro thing for, for trying to build up a new shop. And, uh, yeah, so there will be at least one more. Uh, but I think that's awesome. And, again, when you look back at 2022 and you see that it was 830, and is that difference the TTS difference, or is it literally that there were that many more events run? I think the, the somewhere in between. Uh, TTS only makes up for, like, 45-ish of the uh, events individually. So there you go. There you go. I mean, I think that the fact that there are that many events being run in person again, where this game for those of you that haven't been with us as long as maybe others, this game launched at the worst time. <laughs> Arguably, right as COVID's kicking off, lockdown, bad stuff. Oh my gosh. And here we are just a few years later and the amount of events run is inspiring for what this game is and what it can become. Leland, do you feel like that this is indicative of growth now and in the future? I, I absolutely think it does. Uh, I think the, the game brings a lot of really positive uh, aspects to wargaming in general uh things that have been lauded by the community quite a bit the fact that you can you can pick up and play virtually any character and get some fun results on the table means that it's it's very easy to sort of like chart out your purchases you can buy your favorite characters you can play with them 
which again makes it very easy for new players to to get into it um aside from some of the parsing on some of the amg's rules and wordings it's a very easy game to understand like quite literally you read the card it's going to tell you exactly what uh what you need to know mm -hmm. um so there's a lot of aspects of this game that are all geared towards getting that really nice growth uh, and frankly if covid didn't kill the game which let's be honest a, a pandemic like that could have easily killed uh, even an established game it means that there is a lot of really good uh core mechanics to this game that are going to keep people coming back and playing for quite some time yeah so absolutely. I, I yeah I, th I think we i think we have quite a few years left of of some really healthy mcp uh lifespan yeah i completely agree and uh you know i want to take a look we looked at these events right almost 1400 events and i now want to take a look at the big events here right and what i did is just arbitrary number cutoff is 32 or more participants events that, that's what i i like decided to go with here and the i also want to, another caveat i'm not counting a bunch of team events like there are team events that that were played and all that stuff that had more than 32 players i'm kind of lumping them all together but like more or less there were about 18 total events that had 32 or more people and i also don't want to be dismissive of anytime you have an event whether it's four people eight people 12 20 32 126 however many people you get that's awesome being able to get a collection of people together to push little plastic people around the table is is wonderful it is an opportunity for camaraderie for friendships to bud i mean my friend sandbox sean nate nate's friend you know we we've talked we've had him on the show he's he's Everybody knows Sandbox by now around here. Anyways, I met him and we became good friends because of this game. I mean, hell, the two of you here, I know because of MCP and we have become friends. There's plenty of people in the HPP Discord that even if I haven't met them in person, I count them as friends. And the ones that I have met in person are friends because of the events run and some of these big events were catalysts for me building a lot of these relationships and for that i got to say thank you to amg but also i want to take a look at some of these events real quick and like i said there were 18 of them and i think it's worth talking about what kind of kicked off 2023 and was kind of the talk of the town for a little bit and that was vince's win with shield at lvo and Leland, you remember when that happened and the discourse around S.H.I.E.L.D. at the time. How do you feel we've come from there to where we are now with S.H.I.E.L.D. and like how did that set up the first part of the year? Oh my, I feel like I'm getting set up here. <laughs> um <laughs> So, so first off, curse Vince for uh, for showing off all our shield secrets at the time. Uh, <laughs> it, it was it was a wonderful little affiliation that nobody knew how to deal with until he gave it uh, some big notoriety. Uh, but I think it's actually a great example of seeing how the the game states and the affiliations can change and evolve over the course of uh, course of a year as new releases come out, as cards get rebalanced and everything like that. And uh, I, th I think it really goes to show that 
you know, AMG is, is paying attention, trying to make adjustments where, where they feel they're needed. Cause you can kind of see, you know, where shield was, I don't want to go as far as to say they were a boogeyman for a little bit, but they, they were a, they were an affiliation that you had to consider when you were building your list. And I think they still are an affiliation that you have to consider when building your list, but they don't, they're not as impassive to play anymore. It's no longer just like being run into them and being shot by their gun line these days. You, there's actually ways of, of kind of interacting with them a little bit more. And that's all been a part of, of the narrative over the past year, whereas new characters have come out, it, it presents new options and new ways to deal with with uh with certain character combos and affiliations mm-hmm. and you know it, it keeps it keeps the game healthy and evolving and changing and interesting yeah no i'm right there with you uh nate what about you do you feel like that that we can look at what vince did with shield at lvo in the beginning of the year and see where we ended up with the most recent ever winter and and how that turned out as like kind of caps to the end of the year. Ooh, that's, I think that's tough because something like Everwinter is going to be so vastly different uh, from an event like LVO at the end of the day. Uh, okay. So I, I I wouldn't necessarily say they are, uh, they are good bookends to kind of see, uh, where we began and where we ended up. Uh, but I think a if you are able to take a yearly look at uh, an event like LVO and look at last year's versus this year's versus the one that we're going to have, uh, I guess just next month, mm-hmm. uh, it, it might be a, a better perspective, truly. Okay, well, hey, uh, whenever we do have that second LVO discussion... Uh, we can we can have that, but uh, Nate, I've got a long list of of events here that we can go through. And uh, what were some standout events for you? Like I, I last night. This is just a little inside baseball here. I literally went through every event on all almost fourteen hundred of them on Longshanks to make sure I got the appropriate data and everything here. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I did that. That was the thing I did. So um, you see, you see that you did y'all hear me patting myself on the back, right there? You should, man. That is uh, that is some dedication to the. To it's the a work. lot of data. Yeah, it was a lot, and uh, yeah, it was it was super awesome. Anyways, uh, Nate, is there any anything that stands out to you here from these big events, and, and anything you wanted to talk to? Uh. For anybody who looks at MCP and says uh, it's a luck game, it's a dice game, there's not too much strategy, Uh, I'm over here looking at Aaron's name three times minimum? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Maybe just the three then. Uh, And that's big events. That doesn't count any smaller Specifically big events. Like, it's one thing to... Uh, go to several like eight man events and come out on top all the time and stuff if it's the same player base for the most part uh but congrats to to Aaron for repping the web warriors extremely successfully at multiple different events uh and honestly like if you look through here you you just kind of recognize some of these names as players that 
uh, have been known in the community and known to be good players. Right, Mad, Sooner, uh, Zach Cohen, who is Mando Orange or something mm-hmm. along those lines, I believe. Uh, Twitty, uh, which is Andy, Pat Dunford, uh, winning the largest MCP tournament to date. Yeah. Yeah, no, like, there, there is consistency. Uh, is one of the, the things that I'm very glad we have that I'm able to easily point to and be like, like you can call it a dice game and that it's a luck game all you want, but the players who are able to rise above that are and able to stay consistent despite that, uh, you can you have examples to point to. Yeah, and uh, Leland, how do you feel about that? Because I really agree with Nate in that this game, there is an element of luck to it. The D8s with exploding crits, all that stuff. Like you and I have had the conversation before about that there the level of luck and and all of that stuff in this game, it's a factor, but there also is skill. And do you feel like that that seeing this kind of stuff and seeing all these events that were run, maybe seeing some of the same names uh, a couple of different times, do you feel like that that kind of lends credence to what Nate's saying? I absolutely think it does. Uh, luck only gets you so far is, is kind of what it comes down to. And you have to remember, like, luck plays both sides of the boards as well. You could be just as lucky mm-hmm. as your opponent. You could be just as unlucky as your opponent. Um, there's no way to to really control that. So player skill comes in and basically says, well, how can I mitigate these these uncontrollable factors in a way that can be advantageous to me? And I mean, the players who really know how to do that are the ones that we we routinely see at the top of of the heap. Uh, but it also goes to show that when player skill uh, comes forward, you can also see some interesting things, like for instance, Ron Walker taking the York Weekender within humans well before uh, they got their Black Bolt update, right? Yeah, oh, at yeah. a time when Inhumans was kind of seen as as a weaker faction, their leader wasn't very good. Well, this guy rolls in who's very comfortable and familiar with his Inhumans and, you know, takes takes a, a large event with it as a result. And, like, that is, that's not something you can do with luck alone. You have to know what you're doing. You have to have that talent and skill behind it uh, to make sure that you can you can get to that. Like, luck might take you to, like, you know, a 50-50 win rate or maybe even a 60% win rate at an event, but it rarely will take you all the way. Yeah. No, that's that's really insightful way to look at it. And yeah, the in humans before they were cool. Uh Ron Walker went in the York Weekender. Somewhere out there, Brian Freddy got its wings. Um I, I wanted I wanted on record that Ron Walker was an inhuman before Brian Freddy. And I'm just saying that to mess with Brian Freddy. Yes. He's gonna say something. You know he is. So speaking, I, I want him to. <laughs> speaking of Brian Freddy, I do gotta say one of the highlights for me this past year in terms of events that I was able to participate in. Well, I have a couple of highlights. One, Adepticon, amazing. Uh, the the moment that stood out to me there was obviously match number one on stream with the Professional Casual Network. And there I was, made a play to go kill me a toad and thinking that won me the game. And I lost by one point. It was awesome. That game was a whole thing. And for me, Adepticon was like the the big event that I got to go to uh, to start my year in Marvel Crisis Protocol and setting the tone right there off the rip was uh, was really great, let me tell you. And uh, But it was a really wonderful event. I'd never been to Adepticon before. 
I'm going back this year. So if you're going to Adepticon, make sure to find me. I tend to be pretty loud. I'll probably have a pink and blue jersey on with Darth Balls written on the back. So, you know, it'd be pretty obvious. Uh, you weren't and, loud enough. You need your shirt to amplify that. I, I mean, I, I really do, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and then another standout, and this one, I, I got to give a lot of credit to Nate for running a wonderful event at NashCon. That one is really special to me. It's a really great event, a lot of fun, and make a lot of, of friendships there. And uh, yeah, Brian Freddy was eighth place to make cuts. And I was ninth place, and we had the same record. He just had a slightly better strength of schedule to me. And you know what? Thank you, Brian Freddie, for bumping me out of cuts so that way I could go and cut up that night. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I love NashCon. I love all these events. I wish I could have gotten to more of them. Another one that I, I go to, I'd say regularly, is Warfare Weekend. Shout out to Tim for running a, a good event there. It, uh, it's a really, really fun time. Also, again, a chill time. And, and the thing is, Suits, I'll encourage you, if you're interested in checking out events, Longshanks has an event finder option. And I would encourage you to go to stuff. Even if you're not really considering yourself to be a competitive player, it's really great to interface with the broader community and to... Like I said, make some new friendships to to test your metal against other opponents. And again, even if you're not a particularly competitive player, you can still have a wonderful time. I assure you. So I, I would encourage people to go go check out these events. And uh, Nate, anything for you about events before we move on? No, uh, I think they're absolutely something everybody should try once. At the end of the day, if you enjoy. Uh, playing Marvel Crisis Protocol in general, uh, go to an event, don't necessarily go in with the expectation to win or something, but the ability to just go and play four games in a day uh, is always a lot of fun. Uh, so if you haven't got to try to go to a local store or a big con, uh, give it a shot. Yeah, absolutely. Leland, anything for you on that before we go forward? Uh, I'm right there with you. Uh, I'm actually really excited to hit up Adepticon this year for, uh, for my first time. Uh, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to the big event. Uh, but yeah, just in general, like I, I'm not a terribly competitive person in the first place, but MCP was the first game that I actually really wanted to engage in the competitive side of things. And as a result, I have met some absolutely fantastic people in the Southern Ontario region that, uh, that you know, every time I, I get to roll some dice with them, it's always an exciting time, and I feel really bad. I've not actually been able to make it to a lot of events lately, so I'm hoping to change that in the new year. Heck yeah, heck yeah. So we've got a couple of things before we get into some show questions, and I think this is kind of a big one, and I want to start with you, Nate. Do you feel that MCP had growth in 2023 now obviously the numbers would say yes but i don't mean just from the pure numbers perspective would you say that it had growth in 2023 and if it did was there anything that held it back from growing even more so yeah it's hard to look at the numbers the number of characters released uh the number of games being played and recorded uh and just all of this information 
uh, and to try to say, no, MCP did not grow this year. It, uh, it has grown. It has grown significantly. Obviously, we don't know like exact uh, numbers as far as the sales and all that kind of stuff that's hidden behind Asmodee uh, documentation that we'll uh, never likely see. But yeah. uh, yes, the, the game has grown. Uh, and hitting that first uh, additional question you hit, I think, unfortunately, uh, the the big threat that our lotter, lottery machine uh, kill the table games uh, has maybe held it back some. What do you mean by that? Like lottery pull kill the table machine? Like, what do you mean? Uh, I am referring to uh, some of the mirror matches that happen because some characters uh, that we have already discussed mm. were very dominant pieces uh, and at the end of the day it didn't really necessarily matter who was up on points because you end up really the focus being tabling uh, your opponent uh, and so those games in some respects come down to just who was rolling better dice I feel you yeah uh, so I think that is uh, that is something that held people uh, or held the game back uh, from growing as much because we saw this uh, this blip of a window where LVO 2022 uh, or no LVO this year earlier this year along with uh, the Weekender uh, we saw two very large events and across the top eight of both of those events we had like 13 affiliations represented. Mm-hmm. And so, like, really good time for the game. Alakith had gotten his first nerf, and people, like, kind of just, where, as you naturally do when something gets nerfed, you go away from it. People found out Malakith was still good and came back to it. But it was really good to see, man, there's this super diverse playing field that's able to see success at high levels of play. And then as you go on throughout the year... Uh, you see more and more of uh, certain affiliations that are either able to counter this hyper-aggression uh, like Sam is able to do because his leadership relies on you dazing and allows for shenanigans and stuff. Uh, I, I think that's one thing that I think once these certain models that just uh, can make the game very dice-reliant, it's going to open up the game to more affiliations being available to play at a, ni- a higher level. And that means more players who enjoy those play styles, who enjoy those teams and characters are going to uh, come into the game. Yeah, no, absolutely. And Leland, I want to pose the same question to you. Uh, Again, the numbers being what they are, did MCP grow for you in 2023? And if it did grow, what held it back from being even larger? Uh, so I definitely think it did grow. Uh, I like putting out the battle reports on a on a weekly basis. I've noticed an uptick in comments of people saying, "Hey, I just got into this game. I found your channel." Type stuff. Mm-hmm. So what that means is like there there are people who are expressing lots of interest in it. There are people who are picking it up and experiencing it for the first time. So it is continuing to grow. Uh, the real wild card is like at what pace. Uh, that's that's always a really difficult one to to say. Uh, I think from a design standpoint, the game is growing. I think we, we've seen AMG 
uh, in the in the design space of both uh, character card designs as well as miniature designs are getting more bold and getting more interesting. And I think that's always good for the game as long as it's kept within reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think um, from a marketing perspective, I feel like AMG has more confidence in the game uh, in it as well. Uh, I think they're they're doing a little bit of a better job. Uh, reaching out and engaging with the community. I mean, we saw that with them creating their own Discord uh, as well to to engage further with the people who are playing their games. They've been trying to be more more communicative, more vocal, uh, which is again always a good sign uh, when when the company is trying to do that. So yes, I I do think that the game is growing and continues to grow, uh, which is really solid. As for whatever holds it back, I think Nate hit it right on the head uh, in that there there have been some meta-defining characters that unfortunately have led to negative play experiences. Um, and if you're a new player that's unfortunate enough to run into that on the table, it can be really hard to maintain your excitement and enthusiasm uh, for the game. Um, just as a little uh, anecdote for it, I got a, I got a local guy uh, who... He loves Guardians of the Galaxy. He loves Cosmic Ghost Rider, but he is a big comic fan. So that's why he loves these characters. Yeah. So he's been running Cosmic Ghost Rider almost on a weekly basis for like the past, I don't know, two months or so. And uh, I invited him on to my channel and he brought his Guardians list and Cosmic Ghost Rider. And he gave me an absolutely wonderful shellacking. Uh, <laughs> but afterwards, he he made a comment. It's like, yeah, like look looking at the comments of all the people like who are kind of angry about cosmic ghost rider existing like i feel i feel kind of bad and you you guys have been really tolerant of me and and my wanting to play this guy uh, and i think that actually really encapsulates uh the problem you get with these meta shaping characters yeah um that it is somebody can be having the most fun in the world because you know they are a fun character to play or they could be one of their favorite characters um, but they can they can have an impact on the person on the other side of the table that might make them think twice about how much they want to spend on the game or engage in it so that that is something that is kind of holding the game back a little bit yeah no i think that's really insightful and that anecdote and using that personal experience is kind of what i was getting at earlier when we were discussing cosmic ghost rider we're well past that now but it i think that that's the thing that we the proverbial we need to remember and one of the core tenets of amg's Design philosophy, and even if they miss the market times, like with Malekith, like with Cosmic Ghost Rider, every character is somebody's favorite character. And we should celebrate when somebody is playing something that they enjoy because they enjoy that character. So, you know, I, I feel that super, super great. And to answer this question here for myself, I do think it had growth. I, I think that there were... were two steps forward, one step back at times. And I think that it's in a good place right now. And I think it will continue to grow. And I think that there were some other factors that kind of maybe stunted that growth a little bit in MCP. And that was the competing game of Shatterpoint from the same studio. And this is just a business aspect of things. Like I get that you were launching a new game and all of that stuff. And it felt like for a second there and this was not the case but you know our feelings are our facts these days it felt like that it was like now mcp is becoming on the back burner and shatter points the new king 
and I don't think that we could say that now here at the end of 2023 that that's the case, but it certainly kind of felt that way a little bit at times. So when I think about moving forward and where MCP is going, I am truly excited. And when I look into 2024, I mean, I look at 2024 and I think back to Adepticon of this past year and how much we got shown at Adepticon that we still haven't seen on the tabletop yet. The Wakanda Rivals Pack, Bishop, Professor X, Shadow King, uh, Iceman, all this stuff that we were shown nine months ago, and we're finally going to be getting pretty much a year after we were finally shown it. I think that's wonderful and exciting, and it, it gives me excitement to say, what's next? Because the expectations for 2024 that I have are just that this game is is going to continue to grow and I, I don't necessarily expect it to grow at the same rate that maybe the numbers would suggest that it's grown, but I think it's going to appeal to a broader community. Again, we've got that brand new core set that that is that I think is going to be a thing that's going to push it forward. We've got some new additions to some longstanding affiliations that I think are really going to push things forward. And for better or worse, we have a whole new format that AMG's interested in promoting and i don't know if timeline's going to be the thing in 2024 but i'm interested to see how that develops and leland what about you what are, what are your some of your expectations for 2024 that, that one's a tricky one to say because right now i'm i'm a little concerned about the age of the mutant that looks like it's around the corner um there there are some some frightening looking abilities and uh, cards uh, common and I, I never like it when one faction has the ability to just kind of dominate so I'm watching the X-Men very carefully right now uh, to see what their their impact is uh, I do as much as I personally don't care for the timeline event I think it's great that AMG is looking at different ways to have the game be played um, I've, I've loved that they've been teasing Mojo Ball. I'm really yeah. excited to see what Mojo Ball brings to the table. I like that we're still seeing the Challenger event. And you know what? If Timeline is, if Timeline is here to stay, then all the power to them. And I hope people get a lot of, uh, a lot of excitement and enjoyment out of it. Uh, but I hope they continue to, to evolve their, their gameplay formats and change when it's, change something when it needs to be changed but maybe also hold firm when they know that they have something that works properly um so i i just uh i i think it's a positive future that we have going for this game at the moment and uh yeah i'm, I'm looking forward to 2024 and what it brings yeah yeah i, I like that leland that's really insightful uh nate what about you i i don't think personally timeline is going to be super prevalent uh i think maybe we see it a little bit uh going with because i know lvo has said that uh, one of the side events they're going to run is going to be the timeline event uh, i think we'll obviously see it at adepticon because amg has said we're going to see it at adepticon and they kind of 
sponsor the uh, the the games that they run and host there at Adepticon. Uh, but outside of that, I don't think it's going to be uh, too much of a a dominant presence in the game as a whole. Uh, other expectations for me are we get a, a continued kind of reduced uh, release rate as what we've been seeing, similar to what we saw this year. I just hope personally that it's a little bit more spread out so that we don't have like three boxes all dumped in one month and it's like, oh man, I need to catch up on painting all of these things. Uh, rather just have the, the nice slow pace uh, so that the painting schedule is a little bit easier. Uh, and things get a little bit more time to shine uh, as they release. Um, but otherwise, I think uh, the game just uh, continues to grow, hopefully. Yeah, no, absolutely. So uh, with that, fellas, I would like to take it to some show questions that we got over on the House Party Protocol Discord. And there's a whole bunch of questions that we got. I'm not going to be able to answer all of them here. But... Some of them we actually already answered throughout the course of this podcast, and I want to highlight that by saying, Horsebag asked a question, who is your favorite model slash character that released this year and why reworks and rebalances count? So I feel like we kind of covered that with our standouts, but gentlemen, did you have a favorite? Nate, Agent Venom, I'm not even going to ask you. Um, (laughs) Leland, did you have a favorite model or character or rebalance that came out for you this year? Yeah, uh, Daredevil. I absolutely love the changes to Daredevil's card that he got at Mini Stravaganza. He is a uh, a very playable character now. He brings an affiliation leadership that is very much in my style of play. And uh, Devil's Deliverance doesn't feel like a wasted spender if you can only hit one person now. Nice, nice. I love it. Yeah, I will say Cable and and him getting a better leadership and just plasma rifle being upgraded is uh i love it uh, cable is just a character that i love so i i really appreciate that so nate anything other than agent venom for you no no oh. just just agent venom I easy okay all right uh so chris from fury's finest says what threat level will strong guy king of hell be when he is no doubt announced in early 2024 I mean, Guido's got to be, as the King of Hell version, seven threat minimum. R- right, Nate? Yes, because I totally know who this character is in this particular iteration. I have to uh, agree, seven threat. Yeah, yeah. Leland? Uh, let's just go wild. First ten threat character in the game. <laughs> I mean, it would make sense. He's he's pretty dope. <laughs> I, I have no idea what's going on with this guy. I just I just Googled him like, oh, yes, it's the, it's him. Okay. Yeah, it's Strong Guy as the King of Hell. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So, Merzane brings us a question here. Frank Castle still seems like he's underperforming. Do you think we'll see a slight buff to him to bring him in line with other characters at his threat level? Now, uh, Josh, you, you you misspelled nerf, uh, and yes, I do think that there's going to be a slight nerf to him uh, to keep him in line. Unless we're talking about the Punisher version, uh, I think he's fine as it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. So uh, that's exactly it. CGR Frank Castle probably gonna gonna be nerfed, and then the 
original version of Punisher, I think the fact that he's added to an affiliation actually helps him do very well. So I, I actually think that the release of CGR was an awful missed opportunity to not make some Frank Castle specific tactics cards. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Ron says, was 2023 the year of the four threat revolution or was it the year of the leaders? Because a lot of affiliations got multiple leaderships now. What do you hope 2024 will be remembered for? I'm going to start with this one. I think 2023 was definitely the year of the four threat. Of all those characters I listed there, there are a lot of four threats. And the new core set has a ton of four threats. So I think that the four threat value got fleshed out extremely in 2023. And I think that that is really what this year will be remembered for. Uh, Leland, what about you? I, I agree completely. I think we saw a, a, so many four threats this uh, this year that it's made the field even more competitive than it used to be. Uh, that does make me a little sad because I I do enjoy the three threats and I I like sort of like the the creative restrictions that a three threat brings to the table as well as far as design goes. So I'm I'm hoping we see a return to them going down the road. But I I think four threats have kind of become the status quo. Um, yeah. for for sort of where the baseline of, of character design is in the game right now. Yeah, absolutely. Nate, what about you? 17 four-threat characters released this year. <laughs> yeah. How many three-threats were released, Will? I, I did not do that count. Two. Get out of here. I can think of one. Who's uh, Spectacular Spider-Man. Who's the other one? Uh, Crossbones. There we go. Wow. God, he's still so forgettable. Wow. Uh, you shouldn't. You shouldn't sleep <laughs> no, on New Crossbones. No, no New Crossbones. He, he, good. he is good. He is really good. I agree. But I keep forgetting about him still. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all that to say, please, AMG, three threats. Uh, that, hey, uh, 2024 will maybe, be the year of the threes. A singular two threat. That'd be, that'd be swell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Careful. We might get a three threat Xavier that's just absolutely busted. Yeah. That's going to happen. He'll be five. He'll be fine. Yeah. So. Yeah, what is 2024? I hope for it to be remembered for is let's let's get the three threats and the two threat train running. So yeah, a return to normalcy. <laughs> uh, and honestly, uh, I'll I'll throw out one other thing because I really want to to see it become an annual thing. I know AMG says they'll do it when they do it. A, a wizard is never late or early. He arrives exactly when he's supposed to. <laughs> but AMG, y'all ain't wizards. Give us balance updates on a more regular basis pretty please yeah yeah no i think that's fair absolutely yeah uh so rob has a bunch of questions that he wanted us to ask and did i did i do a bunch of hot takes this year i don't remember if i did a bunch of hot takes this year but he asked he says which hot take are you most proud of i i, I you know that's the thing rob uh, i let those hot takes roll off the tongue and then let the community decide you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> so what am I most proud of? I probably said something like, holy crap, Cosmic Ghost Rider is going to be everywhere. So yeah, cool. Proud of that. <laughs> I don't know. What about you guys? Uh, Leland, did you have a hot take that you were proud of? <laughs> I stir the pot so often. I can't even keep track of my hot takes anymore. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, Nate, what about you? Did you have one that, uh, that you remember? I was about to say mine, mine's pretty similar to yours. I, I 
just kind of looking over CGR's card, I was like, man, this guy's not going to be good for the game. And, uh, shocker. Yeah. I don't know if that really counts as a hot take because uh, it seems several people had that hot take. Yeah. Yeah. So the next one he says is, which hot take are you kicking yourself for having? Um, probably that I thought Squirrel Girl was going to be more prominent within the meta, quote unquote, if you will. And, I'm surprised that she's not, frankly. So, yeah, that, that'd be the one that I would be kicking myself for because I thought she was going to be everywhere. So, yeah. Well, uh, what about you, Nate? Anything? Uh, yeah, I actually have a, an interesting one here. When I first looked over all of the new characters from the new core box, uh, I was underwhelmed. I did not think it was going to be a very exciting core box. There with like There's a couple of standouts with Ultron, Captain Marvel... Uh, but with more time with the more of these characters, while I definitely still think a couple of them uh, don't fully fill out their threat value, uh, I think uh, I, I'm really getting on board with uh, a lot more of the characters in there. Yeah. Leland, for you? Um, I actually have two at this one, and one of them is not necessarily me kicking myself, uh, more that I'm glad my hot take didn't come to fruition. I'm actually very glad that my initial concerns of Immortal Hulk did not end up being true i was wondering if you were um, going to mention that yeah no i i'm i'm fully willing to to admit when some of my takes might have been a little on the more concerned side so i'm i'm very glad to see that he he hasn't been the meta defining character that i i was afraid he was going to be uh and i'm not kicking myself for that because i was i was legitimately concerned and i wanted to be wrong on that one so yeah. awesome i'm glad i am wrong on that one uh, the hot take I am kind of kicking myself for is I thought Mighty Steve was going to have a bigger splash, and I don't feel like he really has. Yeah. Yeah. I, as I, a splash character or as a leader? Um, I, th I still think his leadership is actually really solid, but I feel like his card itself is still kind of lacking. Um, so I feel like he's kind of in a position where you bring him for the leadership and then you just kind of hope he does something in the game. Whereas at least like original Steve had the bodyguard so he could protect some of his, his guys. He doesn't even have that. He has the reduced uh, distance on his throw or not his throw, his uh, shield throw. Um, so he just, I thought he was going to be a much more impactful character and he kind of landed with a bit of a thud for me. Mm -hmm. hmm. Fair. Yeah. So um, the next one here, and this is a spicy one, favorite guest you had on the show this year and don't cop out and say all of them, but I'm copping out and saying all of them because they all bring something fun and unique and awesome to this podcast. And frankly, no one wants to hear me by myself. So they're all awesome. Yeah. So there's that. So thank you two and everyone else that has been a part of this podcast. I couldn't have done it without you. What MCP moment in 2023 gives you the most joy as you look back. And <laughs> uh, you know it's definitely that moment at Adepticon like I said on stream there where it's just like yeah I got beat up pretty hard in that game but yeah I that moment makes me happy for what the game is man like like it's just awesome and and I I hold on to that moment and that experience and that matchup just because it was so much fun and, and, and so much of a good time. And uh, yeah, it, all the events that I went to had something in them that was enjoyable and great and fun. And uh, Nate, what about for you? 
Uh, so surprise, surprise, it has something to do with Agent Venom. Shocker. Uh, but I was playing one of my very first games with him uh, against one of my no longer locals, unfortunately. Dakota has moved away, but I miss him. Uh, and we all uh, miss Dakota. Agent Venom had been dazed. He came back with a ton of power, and he had an activation uh, where he ended up dazing or KOing, I think, in total four different characters, which was all of my opponent's activations that he had remaining. Ooh. At the top of round three, Ooh. Uh, and went on to score every single point to win the turn that game. But just uh, it was a, a very cool moment to be like, yes, Agent Venom can be everything that I hope and want for him. Yeah, for sure. Leland, what about you? Uh, it's actually a really recent event. I was uh, I was playing my buddy, um, his what was it? It was his uh, Weapon X, and I was playing X Force, and he was up about I think it was like. 12 to 6 points at this point. Uh, cable had been taken off the board. I, I was in bad straits. All I had left was Deadpool. So I just kind of YOLO'd it. I did a uh, I did a leg day to get within range 2 of uh, Sabretooth Apex Predator, who only had uh, one power, so he didn't have exceptional healing up. And I went into a stab, uh, proceeding to do 5 damage and getting the stab stab off. Nice. Uh, at which point the stab stab finished off uh, Apex Predator. Because he like this KO'd him completely, so exceptional healing. No, not not even in the factor at this point. Uh, giving uh, Deadpool enough power that he looked at Logan, who had four power, uh, so did a Merc with a mouth mm. and got rid of two of that power off of Logan, and went into a uh, duodenum poke into uh, into Logan, doing a total of six damage <laughs> onto Logan, KOing him as well. That's amazing. A, a duodenum. Does that mean wearing two pairs of pants at once? I don't know. I don't even know how to pronounce it. It's like du- duodenum or something. I don't know. Duodenum. But, uh, I think it's duodenum. It, 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 was just, it was just this absolute great moment where, you know, he leg days up. I, That's awesome. I, I just picture him sort of prancing up to, to Sabretooth, stabs him a whole bunch of times, turns around, looks at Wolverine. He's got butter knives between his knuckles pretending to be him and just, you know, stabs him again and takes yeah. out two of the, the biggest threats on the table in, in one round. That, and, that's uh, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, I still lost the game. I, I think I lost something like eighteen to fourteen or something like that. But it was it was a glorious moment. Hey, the, and that's the thing that this game does well is capturing moments like that on the tabletop, and you having a little story about how it played out, and also you saying duo denim, and that is definitely gonna come back to haunt you one day. I promise. But uh, absolutely, it will. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, like it's like me and Dark Clyde. You know, it's the same thing. <laughs> It's the same thing. It, it, or, or somebody's in, immortal kingpin. That's right. That's right. For those of you that know, if you know, you know. Uh, so going into 2024, will House Party Protocol become a dual MCP slash judgment stream? No, it will not. If not, will you be doing Patreon bonus episodes where you talk about judgment? Probably not. But I do enjoy some judgment, as Nate knows very well. And Leland will find out at Adepticon because I will force him to play it with me. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Fair point. Yeah, spoiler alert, Leland. Uh, which cons <laughs> will you be attending in 2024? Adepticon, Nashcon, and Warfare Weekend for sure. Other than that, I, I can't commit just to my work schedule. Um, Leland, what about you? Uh, Adepticon is definitely on the table. And uh, we'll see what my what my travel allows for. I might try to hit up the uh, the Salt City GT this year because um, the the wonderful guys from the PCN invited me last year and I wasn't able to make it. Mm. So we'll see if I can if I can do that this year. 
Nate, what about for you? Uh, the only ones I'm for sure about at this point are probably uh, Adepticon and Gen Con for gaming purposes at least. And hopefully really NashCon. No, no, didn't you? Yeah, no, NashCon as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really attend that one in any way, though. I just kind of, like, in, I am there for it. I don't know. It's no, not really Leland, it. Leland, did you hear what he just did? Did you hear what just happened? He cut uh, himself off from saying, I am NashCon. <laughs> he almost said it. That that should be the marketing uh, take for it now. <laughs> yeah, just just like Nate and like the negative Mister Negative view of like I am Nashcon. <laughs> yeah, I mean I heard it. I'm sure the suits heard it too. You, you stopped it's, yourself really short there, Nate. So way to go, good for you. You you, you got to get up like the uh, this uh, Stallone Judge Dread. You know, although instead of I am the law, I am the Nashcon. Yeah, there you go, there you go. And hopefully you'll be doing Warfare Weekend again too. Uh. So- if time and things allow. Yeah, yeah, such as life. Actually, Nate, you got you got to end all your judgments at NashCon that way. Whenever somebody calls you over as a judge, it's just, you know, you give your ruling and like, I am the NashCon. And then that's it. <laughs> that's the end of the discussion. I have spoken. The NashCon has spoken. <laughs> so uh, he says, how many people you bring into Adepticon? Well, just myself as of right now, because my wife won't decide whether or not we're, she's going to go. But if she does... Don't worry, I'll figure it out. Um, I don't know about the rest. You got you guys bringing family? Uh, my wife might be taken along with me. Don't know yet. Okay, Nate. No. Nope. Yeah. Uh, so here's a question that I think is just for me because we all know that I live the gray life. I'm a gray lord supreme. Don't judge me. How many models do you realistically need to paint before March of 24? All of them. But that's the thing. I don't even know what I'm playing yet. At Adepticon, because the Adepticon event list for MCP is not what I wanted to see. So in terms of judgment, I've got all but one model that needs to be painted in whatever the amount of models I bring there. So if I play in a five five model event, then I need seven models. So that would be six more models to paint. In terms of MCP, if I bring X-Force, which is on the table as a possibility, I need like seven models to paint if i bring midnight suns i need probably five models to paint of stuff that i would probably play all that stuff you know is what it is uh so yeah that's a lot it's a lot okay it's a lot get off my back about it (laughs) uh rose lad says what event was your favorite to go to i mean it's nashcon for me just because that's it's just like a whole vibe adepticon's wonderful Gen Con, wonderful. NashCon is, it's, if you know, you know. It's, uh, you know what I mean? Like, the event is great, but there's also the extracurriculars at NashCon that tend to be great. So, yeah, I hear you giggling. As you should. Yeah, yeah, it's, it is, it is what it is. So, uh, let's see, um, keep going here. What was your favorite self-slash-suit-inspired model you saw someone paint, and why was it mine, says Sweet Tea and Coffee. Uh, It was the um, Amazing Spider-Man that was painted a while ago. I I, I think it was by Binks did an Amazing Spider-Man that was just truly incredible. Like, And that's the thing I love about the House Party Protocol Discord is 
everyone posts models that they painted in there and, and different projects that they're working on and everything. And I am always inspired by everybody else's ability to paint so much, one. And two, just seeing everybody's artwork is incredible. I love it so much. And uh, Leland, I'll throw this one to you. What was one for you? Oh, geez. There was just so many good ones there. Uh, right. Yeah. Like it's, it's hard to really say what, uh, what's uh, like, which ones really stood out for me. Um, I mean, anytime you see a repose of ASM, uh, or any Spider-Man really is, is always really good. Um, uh, I know, um, uh, half-ass Ninja will has been posting some really cool stuff. Yes. Uh, lately as well. He's been moving through a whole bunch. Um, so yeah, like there's, there's just so many good, solid paint jobs and there's just so much talent kicking yes. around, uh, in, in the discord there that it's honestly, I, I don't think I can really just choose just one. I, I think there's just so many good ones kicking yeah. around. Yeah. I'm scrolling through right now while we're sitting here chatting about it. Just like, man, there are so many good ones that like, I remembered that one ASM, but like, you know, sweet tea and coffee specifically did an Ultron and the drones that look incredible. You know, and so many, so many great models. So, yeah, there, there's too many to count of excellent ones. Nate, I would assume it's the same for you. Uh, no, I'm going to, uh, I'm not going to call out any particular paint job, but just any paint job of Omega Red that grossed out Merzane. Thank you. <laughs> yes, definitely that. That was. Uh, now, yes. I, I think we also have to call special attention to Horsebag's lovely little, I'm assuming, Naked Venom. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. That's a whole thing. Yeah, again, <laughs> there's some eye bleach needed right there. <laughs> yeah, for real. Can't unsee it. Nope. Yeah. Can't unsee it. For and I sure. say that I say that in the nicest way possible as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Merzane says, when will the dungeon get plumbing? Never. Uh, so yeah, that's a thing. Um, Phoenix Ben says, what would you like to see added to help the struggling affiliations in the game, such as Sentinels? Okay. Using Sentinels as an example, they just need a complete rework. Let's just let's just do that. Other uh, struggling affiliations? I mean, Nate, do you feel like that there are certain affiliations that are quote-unquote struggling? Like, other than maybe Sentinels and Winter Guard? And honestly, Winter Guard got a significant uh, bolstering recently with mm -hmm. uh, the additional characters but uh, i mean on the whole uh defenders just got a a, a very nice uh, revisit kind of with just one character getting an update uh so at the end of the day i i don't know if it's necessarily things that need to be added is so much maybe just a couple things a couple of characters or maybe a couple of tactic cards that that's all any affiliation is ever shy of uh seeing a lot more success yeah absolutely um i'm right there with you uh leland what about for you uh i'd love to see dark dimension get something to make it a little bit more competitively viable uh i think uh dormammu just falls a little short and he is one hell of a tax to pay uh to bring dark dimension into the game um i know there are players out there who, when they know what they're doing, can make it work and all that sort of stuff. It would just be nice to see it be a little bit more casual, pickup friendly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
So uh, Chris says, who are some of your favorite MCP content creators outside of HPP? Well, obviously, the Gamers Guild and Aegis Brand Studios, obviously. But also, I got to give a shout out to um, the Professional Casual Network. They do a really great job over there with not only live streams, but their podcast content is very good as well. The uh, taco truck is uh, very good in terms of like the the competitive side of things. I think they do a really wonderful job over there as well. And there are so many other forms of content out there that can scratch all the itches of someone looking for something in this game. You know, across the Bifrost, uh, Pat and Sung Su, they do a great job over there. Well-produced podcast. Um uh, I know I'm forgetting some. Infamous is another one that is is really solid. The Game Store Guardians and our friend Will, uh, the Half Ass Ninja, he he does that one. Again, very wonderful stuff. The Rogue Agents, all of that. It's it's all wonderful stuff, and it's all different. And like I said, scratches different itches. So uh, I would encourage you just to to go to the the across the Bifrost Nexus, and I think it, they're all listed in there, and just. See what what is interesting, but you know, obviously HPP first, obviously. I mean, obviously. I'm sorry, guys, but obviously. Uh, Nate, do you have any other favorites outside of uh, your own and this one? Oh man, there are so many uh, people picking up the the tools that are now easily accessible, thankfully, and creating content. So uh, there, there's such a wide smorgasbord uh, to just go in and try a couple that you like because at the end of the day you don't you don't have time to to listen to it all uh and so much of it is personal preference and mm-hmm. what you're looking for uh yeah uh ozark gladiators is one that uh, i feel deserves a shout out for uh, yeah. some of their really cool narrative battle reports and stuff absolutely but, uh, again there's just so many there are so many uh leland do you have any that you'd like to give a special shout out to um i i've really kind of uh, fallen into a routine of listening to the guys over at Fury's Finest. I oh, really yeah. like their oh my approach gosh. to talking about the characters uh, and everything like that. I, I like the perspectives they bring to the game. Um, so yeah, they're they're probably the the most consistent one that I listen to outside of some obviouses. Like I always tune into uh, to you guys at the Gamers Guild, and you know, obviously, I hit up yours on a weekly basis. Um, but yeah, I, I would say probably Fury's Finest is is next to those ones the one that I listen to most routinely. Yeah, and and shout out to Jesse and Chris. They do a great job, especially like from a lore perspective. I really love uh, the stuff they go through over there. It's always really fun. If you don't know a character, Fury's Finest can find you an episode that's gonna gonna hook you up with that right there for sure. Um, and the last thing I want to say here is I did make a post on Facebook, and I really appreciate some of the responses I got. I found this really great picture first of all of Cosmic Ghost Rider running into Hulk, and. I got to say, like, what a picture. I posted a link to where you can find that picture. But, like, man, what a what a picture that just encapsulates the year, I feel like, of of what is happening in MCP right now. And I just asked, like, what what some people thought uh, of this of the year. And Ryan West said that he thought it was overall a really great year and that the new characters and the new models and the updates were were good stuff. You know, Ronan getting his buff, Daredevil getting his leadership, stuff like that. But he, he also thought that there was some bad stuff, like we've already talked about. The Boogeyman, the CGR, the Malekith, even a little bit of Eye Hulk there, you know. 
uh, all of that stuff being things that could uh, potentially change. Uh, Ethan says, this game just feels unsafe without Philip J. Colson to keep an eye on things. Maybe he's in Tahiti? And uh, to which Waffle says, it's a magical place. So I love that so much. Uh, Luke says that the Daredevil leadership is something that really stood out to him. And I think that getting that added to an existing character was huge. Yeah, and I'm, I'm right there with you, Luke. Um, Matt says, a pretty good year. And Rhino and M'Baku were, were pretty great. And the small updates to the cards as well. Tim Simpson, shout out to Tim, says, uh, as a whole... This has been the best yet year yet for MCP and our community. With maybe one or two very minor exceptions, the game's in an amazing state, and every game feels fresh to me. Looking forward to 2024 with Warfare Weekend, Adepticon, Scarlet Spider, hell yeah, as Guardians, and fingers crossed for more Inhumans, he says. Uh, and then Rob says, uh, of course, the lack of doom displeases me. Right there with you, Rob. Like, legit. I mean, come on. Like, Honestly, missed opportunity not having the Fantastic Four come out in year four. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, Paul says... Doom will come around eventually and he'll toot as he pleases. He shall toot. Uh, The new starter set is delightful. All new characters, four new leaders, and some revamped fan favorites. And finally, Liam says the X-Men updates could not be happier with the little updates to characters like Cyclops, Colossus, Wolverine, Jean... All of that stuff, like, he, he really likes that. He said he didn't love the boogeyman. Again, that's the recurring theme we have here. And uh, so, yeah, thank you to everyone that commented there on Facebook. I really appreciated that. I got to be better at getting those comments from Facebook as we go forward. The final thing, because this episode is long as hell, but it's the final thing. I'm going to give each of us get one, literally one character that we want to see in 2024. And, it, and I'm going to put a rule on myself it can't be one of the four that I want. And Leland, I'm going to say for you also, Alpha Flight <laughs> off the table. I, I'm going to ambush uh, the wheels at Adepticon. Yeah. I'm going to make them tell me when they're coming. Yeah, and, and make sure you get it recorded. Anyways, Leland, what is a character that you want to see in 2024? Apocalypse. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Nate, what about for you? Uh, Thunderbolt Ross. Thunderbolt Ross. With as a Hulk. Thunderbolt's leadership. Okay. All right. I like it. I like it. So, for me, this is going to seem really weird. But I want Clea Sorcerer Supreme. Like, that comic run is dope as hell. And that character deserves some love because currently she's not the best. She likes to go explode herself. So... Yeah, Clea Sorcerer Supreme for me, I think would be really cool. Like, I want to see more of the magician's magical stuff, obviously, explored. So, yeah, that one would be for me. And, uh, yeah, one more final question here. Dojo asked about a comic run that we could recommend right now. And I don't know about you guys, if you read comics or anything, but the Immortal Thor run has been a very interesting and enjoyable thing so far. So I highly recommend that. And uh, if you're looking for some really wild and weird X-Men stuff, The Fall of X has been insane. So uh, definitely check that out. And if you want something that's a little more indie, check out uh, Vanish from Image Comics. It's written by Donny Cates. And uh, yeah, it's really good. So check those out. Do you guys have any comic suggestions, uh, Nate? Uh, 
even when I was on uh, Marvel Unlimited, I'm always uh, behind by six months and stuff. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw the uh, the indie out, which is no longer super indie because Amazon picked it up and made it a big deal. But Invincible, oh yeah, uh, the full uh, comic run. There's there's a lot of it out there, but it's uh, it's really enjoyable. Yeah, heck yeah. Uh, Leland, what about for you? Uh, much like Nate, I'm I'm always quite behind. Uh, I am currently in uh, in Marvel Unlimited, and I have been trying to check out some some interesting stuff here. There's uh, there's a couple of runs that I've been enjoying. I I've enjoyed the uh, the Marauders. Uh, oh yeah, was it the Marauders with uh, with Kitty Pride as like the the captain and all that oh, sort of yeah. stuff. Uh, yeah, I've been enjoying that one quite a bit. Um, I've been enjoying some of the Exile stuff, um, which has been some good fun. Uh, and then there's another one that I'm trying to remember what the run was, but, uh, like it, it was like, uh, what was it? It was like X 23 boom, boom. I think Jubilee was in there as well. And that was kind of a good fun, fun run as well. Oh uh, yeah. That was some of those story arcs. Uh, it wasn't X factor. Uh, man, I know what you're talking about. I can't remember now, but yes, it's a good one. Boom, boom. Yes. What a great character. Uh, yeah. So ridiculous. It's so ridiculous indeed. And, uh, you know, I'll give one more if we're going older, older runs that like, if y'all want to know one of the reasons why I love Dr. Strange so much and why I love Moon Knight so much, these two comic runs, the last days of magic by Jason Aaron is man, that is peak Dr. Strange. I love it so much. And then the, um, Jeff Lemire Moon Knight run, uh, from a few years back was, incredible like those two are are like reasons why i love certain characters you know that's that's just great stuff right there anyways nate where can people find you uh guys you can find me over on youtube uh, search the cameras guild there's a, a plethora of different uh, kind of mcp content over there as well we have a, a podcast that releases every tuesday that alternates between talking about shatterpoint and marvel crisis protocol Oh, yeah. Good stuff over there. And then, uh, Leland, where can people find you? Uh, I am most prolific on YouTube at Aegis Brand Studios, where I get a Marvel Crisis Protocol battle report out every single uh, Saturday, uh, going for a year straight at this point. I have 52 straight, um, along with uh, small little character profiles throughout the course of the week. Um, and then, of course, uh, I think the House Party Protocol Discord is where I'm usually frequenting uh, online as far as any sort of like uh, chat room style stuff. Yeah, heck yeah. And um both of y'all have been really great co-hosts with me this year. I want to I want to give a thank you to the two of you uh being available and and present with the House Party Protocol podcast and to everyone that made an appearance on this podcast this year. Thank you so much, but most especially uh to the suits out there that uh, give us their time. All of you are the reason that this keeps going. Don't get me wrong. I love doing it, but really it is inspiring to see the conversation on the house party protocol discord constantly, just whether it's MCP or video games or food or bunnies, whatever it is, it's, it's wonderful to see all of that. And just in general, the community around Marvel Crisis Protocol is what inspires me to continue to make content. And I want to thank each and every one of you for a great 2023. And I really look forward to 2024. I'm excited to 
see what the year holds for us because there are some characters that we know about that are coming that are quite exciting and uh, may, you might even say electrifying. <laughs> uh, yeah. Man, I'm, I, <laughs> come, come on. Come on. It was a good one. Hey, hey, just just the tease at the end of Mini Stravaganza. I, you know, we were teasing Dracula, which means it might be Morbin time coming soon too. It might be Morbin time, but uh, yeah. So I'm I'm just I I can't express my gratitude enough to everyone that provides their time and to especially the people that uh, provide the the little bit of financial support over there at Patreon.com/slash House Party Protocol. It is. Uh, humbling every single time I see the discord that that there are people that that do that for this podcast like it's it's the most humbling thing uh and and I'm I don't take that for granted one bit so I think every one of you for that as well and uh yeah I had said this in a previous podcast but this is the last episode for 2023 we'll be back in the second week of January of 2024 so expect uh, a podcast sometime around the uh, january 11th time frame and uh yeah we'll we'll kick off with uh, a whole new slew of character reviews and all kinds of stuff and hopefully by then i'll have this merch situation sorted out i've been uh, contacted by a couple artists and have just been a little busy and haven't been able to, to get it all sorted out after i had one bail on me so here we go and with that uh, make sure to follow us on Facebook and on the YouTubes and on the Twitch, twitch.tv slash DarthBalls05. I will be streaming not only MCP content, but other video game content throughout the year. Uh, also, I will be um, posting videos and stuff on YouTube a little more often, uh, mainly video game stuff, just because that's what I'm going to be doing uh, a little bit more as we get into 2024. Hey, unintentional rhyme. And uh, yeah, I, I appreciate every one of you. Make sure to give some love to Battle Kiwi. If you have a significant other that's into gaming, check out battlekiwi.com and use the c- promo code PARTYKIWI for 10% off your first order with them. Support your local gaming shops and party on, Nate. Party on, Will. Party on, Leland. Party on, Will. And power down suits.